0: Thanks for joining us. The following is a presentation of Ignite Global Ministries and features the teaching of Pastor Ben Dixon. Pastor Ben has a vision of strengthening the church to impact the world. He serves as lead pastor at Northwest Foursquare Church in Federal Way, Washington. Welcome to The Daily Word. My name is Pastor Steve McConnell. I'm a staff pastor here at Northwest Church. And uh, I just want to welcome you. We're so glad you joined us uh, for today. Today we're going to be going over 1 John chapter 5. So uh, you want to kind of hang on your hat. Here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to really try to get us out of here in 30 minutes. So we have a lot of content to cover in a very short amount of time. I'm going to try to do it thoroughly yet quickly. So, uh, And we're going to also do this thing and let the Holy Spirit lead us So, uh, who knows how far we'll make it through uh, this morning, but uh, I can guarantee you this. uh, You'll be blessed. I've been blessed as I've been preparing, and I know that God will touch your heart just as He has touched mine. So, let's pray and open as we get to the reading of the Word. So, Lord, we invite you now. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would touch our hearts, that you, in the reading of the Word and hearing your voice lead us this morning, that we would allow you to change the desires of our hearts. God, we would desire for you to change our hearts, that we might align with what you're doing. Not, God, you align with us, but us align with you. So may the reading of the word touch our hearts today and transform our minds. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, if you want to get your Bible out, as I said, 1 John chapter 5. And we're going to take this chunks at a time. So I'm going to read a chunk and then we're going to go over it a little bit and unpack it and then we'll read another chunk and so on and so forth as we go through the chapter. So verse 5, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Whoever loves the Father loves the child born of Him. So John previously mentioned being born of God in chapter 2, 3, and 4. So he's He's really uh, making his point here of being born of God. And here he tells us how one is to be born of God. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ, this means believing that Jesus is their Messiah, not just the Messiah. Like a lot of people can view Jesus as the Messiah, but never make him their Messiah. And that's a personal decision that each person must make. You must make Jesus Your Messiah he must be your Savior and this is part of being born of God is when we identify Jesus as the Messiah as the Christ as the one that was prophesied that would come and redeem humanity when we make that decision we make him our Messiah we are born of God when we put our trust in Jesus and his saving grace for our lives being born of God also has these two effects Number one, it is assumed that we will love God because we are born again into His family. So we're going to love God, number one, and it's assumed that we will love others who are born of Him. Our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, Do we see division today within the church? And we're talking about other believers here, not just humanity, right? Other believers that are born of God. we're, we're, We're told that we're to love them. So we have a lot of things that divide us. So what does the world say what does the word say here? It says we should love those who have been born of God. To love others in the family of God means that you do not limit your love to your own denomination group, to your own social or financial status, to your race, to your political positions. Wow, that we're getting God's digging into our heart today in these areas, right? to our exact theological persuasion, sometimes we put ourselves in camps and sometimes there can be a hierarchy here and sometimes there can be what is felt as elitism. And sometimes even, even in those born of God, we can see others as less than us or not equal to. And we, can, we can minimize who they are. But I think as we read this passage, John is saying I mean, that we must love those that are born of God. We must make a choice to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. And at times that can be a difficult choice. At times it means that we have to lay down our own opinions, our own mindsets, our own agendas to love people where they are. And at times it means that we've got to put ourselves at, the equal, at an equal playing field with all those that are born of God. Not one is better than the other. God loves each and every one of His children equally. And there's no favorites in the kingdom of God. You know, what I like to say is that uh, we're all His favorite. I think when we view ourselves and we think of ourselves, we should all think of ourselves as God's favorite child. When He designed us, when He made us, He made us in His image. And we're the... Only The only human living being that is made in the image of God. And what a beautiful idea and a beautiful thought that is. And now as He's made us in His image, as we're born of God, now He's transforming us, not only to look like Him, but to act like Him. And what a great honor it is that God would send His Son so that we would be born of God, so we would be redeemed, so that we would be transformed not only in our image, but in how we act and how we operate. And and John is really beginning this in, 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 in the beginning of, of uh, really in the church and saying that, hey, we need to view each other and love one another because God has made each one of us. So if any of these things means more to us than our common salvation or our common lordship of Jesus Christ, then something's obviously broken. So if our denomination group, if our social financial status, or our race, or our political positions, or our exact theological persuasion mean more than the people of God, then, then, then something's broken in us. And we, we kind of like need to get recalibrated, as it were. What does God ask of us? Verse 2, By this we know that we love uh, the children of God, when we love God and observe His commandments, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, just as much as our love for the people of God reflects our love for God, so our love and obedience to God is lived out as we love the body of Christ. Again, just repeating that statement, that as we love one another, we're living out who God is. We're living out the love of God as we love one another. John had the words of Jesus in mind, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's John 14. Obedience is one of the truest acts of love. When, when we choose to obey God and set aside kind of our own opinions and our own agendas, and, and when we obey Him, that is a truest act of love that people will experience when there's a divide between people, even believers, when there's a divide, and someone has the character and follows through with the conviction of the Holy Spirit and makes a decision to lay down their own opinion, something happens in that relationship. I don't know if you've ever experienced it. I have, where somebody said, look, the greater good of our relationship is more important than this opinion, and I'm sorry if I offended you. Something happens in me, and I I now say, I think to myself, I say, I see God in that person. God is operating in that person. It's because they've received the conviction and now they've obeyed the conviction and they've lived it out. And now we not only see the image of God, but we see the actions of God in a believer. And, and man, there's nothing more um, humbling than being present when someone does something like that. It's very humbling. And, it, and actually, what ends up happening actually... Uh, increases your faith as a believer. I don't know if it's ever happened to you, but it has with me. And it's increased my faith. And I thought to myself, man, I need to act more like that. I I desire to have that same heart. And uh, that's what John's telling us today. In verse 3, his commands are not burdensome. God has given us all that we need to live our lives to be fruitful and prosperous for him. Our lives aren't our own, but they are to be lived out under his direction. We can be so easily confused and forget we are made for his purposes. Sometimes it's easy. We get caught up in life in the day-to-day. And a lot of that is is really turning back and acknowledging God and seeing what God's already doing and getting on board with that. Because God's already on the move. I'm, I'm sure you already know this, but if you don't, God is already on the move. He's already got a mission and a plan and a purpose. And it's now up to you and I whether will we get on board with what God's already doing. Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to see what the Holy Spirit's doing? Are we willing to listen and obey and get on board with what He's doing? I think if we begin to do that, we're going to find that His commandments are not burdensome. There's a great joy that comes with His commandments. That when He's asked us to do something, that our hearts have changed because now we're in line with God. And when we're in line with God, we see what He's already doing, and we hear His voice, and we follow His commands. And it becomes a great joy to serve God at that point. All right, we're going to jump to verse 4. Verse 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is the one who overcomes the world, but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Uh, In verse 4, it says, whoever is born of God overcomes the world. John begins with a principle that is so simple, yet so powerful. If we are born of God, we will overcome the world. The idea that anything born of God could be defeated by the world was strange to John and, and likewise should be strange to us. As we've experienced transformation and we've been born of God, I don't know if you remember that moment, that moment that God spoke to you and and some of you might be, may have been years ago. Some of you may have been months ago. And maybe even there's those of you that are watching now, that you're hearing God's voice maybe for the first time, and He's touching your heart. But wherever we're at in that process, we know when God speaks to us. And we know something special takes place. There's this point in our lives where there's reconciliation of who we are and who He is. And we reconcile our need for God and why we need Him. And, and it's a really beautiful moment. And when we make that decision, we become victorious over that old life. And He's given us a new life. He, he's redeemed us, where we are born of God or born again, or another term some people use, we're saved. And then what ends up happening is that we become victorious. The world has no hold. When Jesus rose from the grave, he dead. Uh, he he was he was born to a virgin, Mary, conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? And then he was baptized, and when, at his baptism he was released into ministry, and then at his death he carried our sin, and in, in everything that we've ever done to the grave, and three days later he rose from the grave by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when He took that sin, we were redeemed. So those of us who confess Him as Lord and Savior and choose Him as our Messiah now are redeemed and we're covered by Jesus. We're as it were, we're clothed in Jesus. So no longer does God see our sin, but He sees Jesus' righteousness. Jesus says, that's mine, I have Him covered. And I have my coat, I've put my coat of righteousness around this one. And that is what makes us victorious. Verse 4, this is a victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Since believing on Him is the key of being born of God, uh, 1 John 5 1 that we're going through right now, the key to, to victory is faith. This is not just an initial faith when you receive Jesus as your Savior. This is a consistent faith and a reliance and trust on Jesus as our Lord. Now, now a lot of people uh, will, will ca- call it the honeymoon phase where people get saved and, and they're ve- very zealous and, and, and they're young in their faith. And, and honestly that is encouraged. That is encouraged because those young faithful people, they grow their lives through each step that they make in their zeal. I remember being young. I remember going through that zealous time of my life and then I kind of evened out it never dropped off and it never will but the 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 growth curve uh changed a bit you know we went from the straight up curve to now a curve that that goes across like this i'm always growing in the lord and my faith is always growing in him if i find myself in a place where i don't feel that anymore or i'm struggling it usually means i have something going on in my life there's something Pulling me from him, there's something that's got my attention. There, my attention no longer is is on is on Jesus. It's on something else, and I need to refocus my attention on him. And when I see him, and I recenter myself on him, my faith is increased. I'm reminded of who I am and who he is and what he's done for me. All right, John uh, repeats the this same thought in. Uh, and as he says, who is the one who overcomes the world? But he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, the life of faith and trust in Jesus is the life that overcomes uh, the pressures and temptations of this world. As we cling to Jesus, we will overcome the pressures and the tensions of this world. We have to continue to cling to Jesus. It's a continue. It's a daily thing. It's it's not on Sunday when I come to church. It's not on Wednesday night when I come to church. It's not just uh, in the morning, maybe I I sign in at 8 a.m. daily word where we are now. Those aren't just the only moments. The moments where we cling to Christ is throughout our day. That we're continually interacting with Him. We're continuing to acknowledge Him. And when we do that, we will find our faith increases. Because we will ask of Him and we will see answers. We will hear Him. And we will obey Him and we will see answers. And this is the way of Christ. He desires to be intimately involved in our lives, day to day, moment by moment, minute by minute and if we want to even take it down further, second by second. Speaking of which, I'm running out of time, i got to move on. Alright, uh, so <laughs> he, who is the one who overcomes? It's Jesus and us and us clinging to, uh, to our faith in Him. Um, We overcome because we are born of God, and we are born of God because we believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Verse 6, this is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not with the water only, but with the water and with the blood. It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and the three are in agreement. All right, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this is a somewhat complicated passage here. So I just want you to hang on, and uh, and we're gonna work through it, and and I think we're gonna be able to bring some clarity to exactly what John is saying here. So uh, number one, John right now, I don't, if you tuned in yesterday and the day before, I think Scott and uh, Jared, Pastor Scott and Pastor Jared, both shared on the Gnostics, and and this was a a group that was coming in and kind of twisting uh, the theology here a little bit and 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 just introducing ideas that were not true at all. Uh, and they were introducing these uh, and John now is combating these ideas. Uh, they believed that the baptism was the entry point of God into Jesus' life. And they believed also that Gethsemane was a point where God exited from Jesus. So uh, in their mind Jesus wasn't born of a virgin conceived by the Holy Spirit. That is not their theology, nor is their theology that Jesus rose from the grave. And as the, you, their theology says that that God stopped dwelling in Jesus at Gethsemane, which is much, much different, and it totally changes everything about the redemption of Christ. Because we now are redeemed through the resurrection of Christ, right? And, and if, if we don't have that, then what do we have? What did the believers have? And this is what John is exact, He he's going right after this topic, the, the, the deity of Jesus Christ. He's going after it because Jesus was, was fully man and fully God from the beginning of his conception to the point of his resurrection and now sitting at the right hand of God the Father. So nothing's ever changed. Jesus is fully man and fully God from the time he was conceived to now. And, uh, and, and I think John is really going out to this point. We'll unpack it. In verse 6, the one who came by water and blood, some thought, and, and I'm repeating myself here, but I, I think it's, it's very purposeful why I'm doing this. Some taught and still teach that Jesus received uh, Christ's spirit at the baptism, and that Christ's spirit left Jesus before he died on the cross. From then, it is un, for them it is unthinkable that God could hang on a cross. But John insists that Jesus did not only come by water of baptism, but also by blood of the cross. He was just as much the Son of God on the cross as when His Father declared, You are my beloved Son, and you I am well pleased, in Luke 3.22, at the baptism of Jesus. In verse 6, It is the Spirit who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. The Holy Spirit also bears witness to the true person of Jesus Christ at the baptism. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, all three were present. And I don't know about you, but I talked a little earlier about that moment when, when we first heard the gospel, when we first heard that, and and something resonated in us, and we felt the conviction of that Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit testifies even today of the righteousness of Jesus Christ of the deity of Jesus Christ, of His work on the cross and His resurrection. And and if, if you think back to those moments when that all was illuminated for you in your mind what happened? That conviction, that speaking of the Holy Spirit, that sweet, still voice showing you this is the truth and the way. The Holy Spirit testifies to the person of, of Jesus. Excuse me. Verse uh, 7 and 8 uh, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. These are all consistent witnesses in telling us who Jesus is. We can know that these three agree as one. It isn't as if the Spirit tells us one thing, the waters of baptism another, and the blood says something else. Jesus' life, death, and the Spirit all tell us who Jesus is. And they are in agreement. They're in a complete agreement. It wasn't Different actions and different points, they're all completely in agreement and alignment that Jesus is the Messiah. And now it's up to us, if we have to on a daily base, basis, to say, Jesus is my Messiah and I confess him. And, you know, we all have tough days, we all have bad moments. And, and if it were up to us, you know, on good works, the Word tells us not one is righteous not even one but it's through jesus christ's sacrifice and resurrection that we are made holy in him we are in christ we are clothed in him as i said previously and isn't that just a beautiful picture to be reminded of this morning that jesus has us and he's covered us let's read on in verse 9 if we receive the testimony of men the testimony of God is greater. For the testimony of God is this, that He has testified concerning His Son. The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. The one who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has given concerning His Son. If we receive this testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. Verse 9, our faith is to be based on reliable testimony. And we have the most reliable testimony possible, the testimony of God. God sent His one and only begotten Son that you and I might be saved, that we may make that decision, that we would see Him for who He is. Now, God will force nothing on us. He's a gentleman. And He comes with a still voice, and He speaks to us, he intersects our life. He shows us who we are. And he shows us what he would desire to do in our lives. And we can see that here. And John is reminding, he's reminding us that we've got to be focused on Jesus and we've got to see Jesus in the right light. We can't be confused by our media. We can't be confused by our um, those who lead us. That we each individually have to make a decision. To understand who God is, and to understand who Jesus is and what he's done for us, we each individually have to make that choice and there are moments like this and like many others where you've been encountered by the Lord, and we have to continually make these decisions i've I've heard it say uh, uh that we leak. I don't know about you but but you know I make mistakes, I fall into sin and I may react poorly to certain things and I may need to apologize often to people. <laughs> but, but that's what makes this so amazing is that Jesus continues to redeem us time and time again. As long as we repent and we turn from our ways and we make Him the Lord of our life, each and every time God redeems us and forgives us. All right. uh, Verse ten: The one who believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. When we believe in Jesus, we receive the Holy Spirit, an inner confirmation of our right standing with God. Uh, Romans eight sixteen says this: "Uh, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I've heard uh, uh, and this this old school statement. I don't know if we've all heard it. Many of us probably have. Is I have received the assurance of the Holy Ghost. That's at that moment in time where you, you go to the Lord and you confess and you repent. And you know in that moment that you're, there's an assurance in you that you are in right standing with God. That the, that the relationship and the fall of man that, that has created this great divide between humanity and God or, or for in this instance, let's say, myself and yourself between God, there's that moment in time where that divide now is bridged through Jesus Christ. And and we're made right with God the Father. And that's what we were designed for. We were designed for relationship with God the Father. We were designed to hear His voice. We were designed to operate in the Spirit. We were designed to bring glory to His name. We were designed to be in relationship with Him. And this is that moment, that assurance, that I'm where I'm supposed to be, that I'll live eternally with God. As I pass from this world to the next, I will continue to live eternally in the presence of God. Verse 10, the one who does not believe in God has made him a liar. This is really heavy right here. When we refuse to believe on Jesus, we reject the testimony God has given us concerning his Son. Therefore, we call God a liar, with our unbelief. Now, this 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 is a weighty topic, you know. And I think of this often. And I think there's there's many people in this world, and I think you would agree with me that, uh, that don't know the that 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 haven't been born of God, that don't know this relationship that we're talking of so freely. And I know sometimes driving in, I. I see terrible situations and we live in a society now where the the rich seem to be getting richer and the poor seem to getting poorer and there's this divide between people and there's the haves and the haves nots. And and sometimes uh you know, people on both sides refuse God. And I know like I drive to work and I, you know, I drive home, I, I do I interact with people. As a matter of fact, I had a, a beautiful interaction this last week of I feel like the Holy Spirit was using me uh, to to, to bring truth into this person's life. And I saw the lights go on. I saw it in their eyes. Something happened. There had been unbelief and a resistance to God, and something happened. And this weighty scripture right here reminds me that I need to evangelize. It reminds me as being born of God that I have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to share the gospel. To make sure every person that I know or I come in contact receives a touch from God. Whether it be through my words, my actions or just my personality. How about when I walk in a room that I would be so immersed in the presence of God that it would be tangible to other people. That is my prayer, prayer is that no one would make him a liar and no one would refuse him. This is a weighty scripture. And our hearts as a church and as a body of Christ is to see every person come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Verse 11, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. In the previous verse, uh, we were just told how, how, a, what a serious matter of receiving the testimony of God is. Now John tells us what the testimony is. That God has given us eternal life. That, that God has redeemed us. He's, he's brought us back into the kingdom of God. Through Jesus Christ. And this life is in his Son. Eternal life is a gift from God received in Jesus Christ. We can only know this if our salvation rests on Jesus and not our own performance. And, and that's where a lot of us can get caught up, to be honest with you. We believe that works or doing this or doing that. And it's not about works, it's about the grace of Jesus Christ and us continuing to reconcile ourselves back to Him, to listen, to let Him transform our thinking. Uh, You know, I think about this a lot. I think the things that I did when I was first saved, if if I did them now, I would think they were ridiculous. But the thing is, with God, I was in a process. He was transforming me. He was changing me. And I got caught up into that process, and, and I continued to stay in that process. And God continued to work on my heart, and He continued to change me. And I guess, you know, it seems like my time is about up. I'm looking at the clock here, and I said well, I'd go 30 minutes, and, and I'm going to stay to my word, but I, I want to leave you with this note. I want to challenge you to put yourself in a position where you repent often, you reconcile your heart to Him, and you allow Him to transform your thinking. You allow Him to transform the way you view the world. You would say, God, bring me into alignment to where you are. Jesus, show me where the Holy Spirit's already at work so that I can join him. And that is my prayer for you today, that we would join God in the great work he's already doing and we would seek to find what it is he's after. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this word from John this morning. We thank you, God, that you're a God that is chastening us and coming after us. Jesus, we thank you for the work on the cross that you've done for us. First of all, that you came to be fully man and fully God. You were conceived in the, the Virgin Mary. That you, that you died on the cross and you took on the sins of the world. And the power of the Holy Ghost rose you from the grave. That same power now is at work in us. And So God, I pray today that you would speak to each one of us. What is it that you're doing that you want us to get on board with? What is it? That we need to change? Is there a conviction you've been speaking to us that we need to repent of? Is there obedience that needs to be lived out because your Holy Spirit has said something to us? So, Lord, we ask for the courage today that you would change our hearts, that you would conform us to your likeness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening.